Hi everybody, Rob Scott here, and in this session I'm joined by Finn Barbegley, Senior Research Analyst at Cavell Group, and today we're going to explore the impact of COVID-19 on business networks. Welcome Finbar, how are you today? Hi Rob, yeah, I'm perfectly fine, uh, as you can see in uh, sunny London, which is very warm today, um, generally, you know, feeling quite good. Um, obviously, should just sort of introduce myself, I'm a Senior uh, Research Analyst at Cavell, I deal with cloud networking, I deal with SD-WAN, I look at SASE, I look at other things like 5G and AI and stuff like that in a bit of, uh, bit of detail as well. And of course, for people who don't know Cavell, you know, we are a, an analyst company. We have professional services as well. In the cloud networking space, um, we're really just sort of about research and we're also about doing sort of professional services work with cloud networkers to help them sort of deploy their, their solutions. Great, thanks, Bimba. Uh, it's good to see you again. Always an interesting conversation with you, uh, based on you know a lot of your insights that you do glean from research and everything else you do at Cavell. So yeah. today we're going to talk about lands and wands and the impact of COVID nineteen on the office and and those those networks that are in there that have to support uh, you know the the workers. Uh, so everyone's gone home to work. Uh, they're starting to come back now. We're still in I suppose partial lockdown at the moment. So. You know, what, what is the new normal? What, what is uh, likely to happen and what impact does it have on networks going forward? So our research from last year, our enterprise research, showed that there was already a trend towards home working. You know, we, we, we had the prediction that within the next three years, over half of the employees at half of the companies um, in the Europe and America would be working from home more than two to three days a week, right? That was already our predicted trend. And the fact is that this has just shown a lot of people that all the times they were told they couldn't work from home because of the company structure or because of the technology wasn't there, not actually a factor, right? Because when it needed to happen, it did. And a lot of those arguments that a lot of companies would have had for keeping people in the office have just been blown away. So there's going to be a much bigger shift towards home working. It's not going to be permanent most people don't want to work from home every day but you can imagine a situation where someone's working from home three to four days a week maybe they're coming in for a few hours on a day avoiding rush hour doing some meetings then working from home for the afternoon you know and i think the the approach to working is going to be a lot more flexible um overall as i think employees have regained some ground in the fight for that work-life balance where we now can be at home and have life playing more by our needs and i don't think we're going to give that ground up that easily just because it's time to go back to the office yeah absolutely so if everyone's going to go home to work a little bit a little bit more that means you know doing our day-to-day -day work from home location on a more frequent basis uh on home broadbands and that kind of thing how how are the organizations going to be able to uh uh, will they need to prepare for that kind of environment uh, or will they just be able to plug and play and, and work from home? So it's a tricky question because it really depends on the size of organization because at both sides of the scale, you actually have different needs. So actually, you can imagine that your companies that were impacted least by this were the really big ones and the really small ones, okay? Because the really small ones already probably used all cloud tools like Google Docs, Microsoft Office, um, Monday, you know, Teams, they're already using all of those cloud applications. So when it came to getting their employees online from home, their employees just took their laptop home, installed those applications, and then 
were working the next day. Um, and at the very large companies where they have the corporate laptops, they have the corporate applications, and they have all the on-site hardware to manage um, like large amounts of incoming traffic. Again, the problem was mitigated because they could scale to manage incoming traffic. Because one of the things people forget, especially if you're less familiar with networks, is that if people are working remotely, but all your stuff is still hosted in your, in your data center, you have to manage all that incoming traffic as much as you've had to manage like outgoing traffic before. And that takes, in a lot of cases, actual hardware on the ground to manage the number of incoming connections. So one of the big problems that people had um, with networks wasn't actually, sorry, was just managing these incoming connections because you went from having, um, so I, I know you know what a VPN is, so it's a, it's a private basically tunnel where you can encrypt your traffic and then get from one location to another one without people being able to hack you as easily, essentially, and lots of other stuff going on. But you need to handle that as a, an incoming connection. And if you didn't have the hardware on site to support that, you couldn't scale it that quickly. So like, for an example, one carrier in Europe went from providing uh, 3,000 VPNs in the UK to providing 10,000 in the space of two oh, wow. weeks. And across Europe, they went from providing 30,000 to providing 120,000. And the number keeps going up. Now for them, on their side, the scaling of the VPNs was easy. But on their customer side, getting the boxes to the sites to, to change it was difficult. So in, in terms of what does this mean for networking, there's sort of going to be a push towards more flexibility. And the question of how does this solution work if, my, if that person is no longer in the office then becomes one of the most important questions. Um, whereas it was already moving that way. It's kind of accelerated it by a few years um, to a point where we're like, well, now I need a plan in case this happens again, or I need a plan for the next year, you know, however long this thing is going to go on for. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it can't, I echo that. I spoke to someone I, I know recently, he works for a large bank. And when uh, the, the pandemic hit, uh, the bank actually said, or the IT department within the bank said uh, that people couldn't connect on remotely to the bank's uh, network uh, between the hours of X and X because uh, there was just too many people working remotely. Exactly. Um, so I completely understand that. Uh, but, you know, when you say VPN technology, it sounds kind of old. I mean, it sounds like something that we were doing 10 years ago. I mean, is there a better opportunity, you know, is there a better solution than VPN nowadays? Or, you know, what kinds of solutions are out there? Um, is there a better solution than VPN? A VPN does what it does. It gets you from one place to another without without you know being a bit more secure and, and protects your traffic so you can get access to those those corporate um technologies without them being put at risk from your outward connection um there's nothing really i mean in terms of replacing vpn that's kind of just not the way that things are going because vpn serve a specific function what's happening more is that the things that people were accessing through vpn so those corporate services in the offices are being moved to the cloud and then you take a VPN, but you take it to a different location. So rather than going to the hub of your corporate data center, you instead just go to the nearest cloud location, which of course diffuses the congestion because you're not trying to connect to the same thing as all of your colleagues. You're going to the one, say, for example, in um, Basingstoke, and they're going to the one in Slough, you know. And because of that, you're just sort of taking different routes. You're still accessing the same services because they'll be hosted in a data center somewhere but you're not taking that same route into your corporate building to get your corporate services got it so a lot of small businesses may not have those security 
protocols in place therefore the yeah. going directly to an over-the-top service might be okay exactly that's why, organizations... smaller, that's why the smaller companies weren't as affected by a lot of these problems because their security concerns aren't as large and they're already using all of the cloud solutions anyway because they're cheaper so Understood. yeah whereas but you were saying about the large yeah so the large organizations are, are the ones that maybe the you know the secure tunnels go in just a different direction ultimately but uh yeah. yeah, so it's interesting. What other kinds of challenges are organizations going to face then uh, with, you know, this change in, in, in you know, office uh, networking? Well, it's interesting because when you're looking to see where the problems are coming up during this crisis, a lot of people assume that there would be problems on network quality um, from residential properties. Um, but actually, the core network in the country is quite well made. And we have got a lot of new fiber in the ground from open reach and stuff like that. So the core network is actually holding up quite well uh, in terms of this influx of new traffic from new locations. Obviously, there are some endpoints, um, you know, in remote houses and things like that that aren't doing very well. But a lot of like, especially in places like London, even in the suburbs, there's a lot of good connectivity going on there. The real problems come in when you get into the individual user, right, in their house in terms of Wi-Fi congestion in their house, in terms of their kids using the line, in terms of um, whether or not they've got a good router, whether or not they've got a good internet package, right? So a big question that keeps coming up for us is that if your employee isn't going into the office, you know, more than a day a week, two days a week for meetings, if they're working from home for the majority of their working hours, who, who's paying for their internet, right? That's a vital service for them to do business. It's also a vital personal service for them. But if a lot of your, if a lot of your, your business's efficiency problems are being caused by home network problems, then maybe the solution is to redirect some of that rent that you were paying for a desk space in London to, to pay for someone's home broadband connection. And then you can get them a good quality, maybe not a business quality line, but, you know, you get them 100 megabytes, 100 megabits, sorry, 100 megabits or more of data, they're not going to have that problem anymore because they're just going to have the capacity to handle anything they throw at it. So there's a lot of discussion being kicked around about what the future of this means for home networking in terms of are we going to just pay for more? Are we just going to get companies paying for that? And also how much, an interesting question is how much control does that give companies over your home network? So if your employer said, I'm going to give you a router and it's going to monitor what you do online and optimize your traffic, I know a lot of people are going to be like, well, that's my private home network. So no, you can't know what my shows my kids are watching on Disney Plus and stuff like that. You know, So there's a new normal there that needs to be sort of discussed and established. Yeah, that's really interesting. And certainly around kind of, you know, having to deploy more equipment into yeah you know homes uh there's all sorts of challenges you're right i mean there's obviously the privacy challenges but also the uh logistical challenges of deploying this equipment to homes and getting it set up and all that kind of thing so and, and that doesn't happen overnight does it no but then that's of course where service providers and carriers will come in because you know there needs to be that new assessment of what an enterprise's networking needs are of where the pain points are in terms of is it just employees working from home with bad connectivity, in which case do you need to give them, you know, a dual band router, which has uh, a hard line and a, a cellular backup, for example. Um, you know, do you need 
a more advanced solution for certain users, like for instance, some of the SD-WAN companies like VeloCloud um, are offering a, an SD-WAN at home box, which can be used to get uh, your cert certain users onto your corporate network and just treat them as like they were an office, like they're a one person office. Now, of course, at the moment, those solutions are probably priced out of the range of giving them to everyone in your company because you know, you're talking about hundreds of, of dollars per device, right? You're not going to do that for every single user in your company, but high value users, you might. So there's a lot of discussion as to whether or not in the future, that networking technology is going to filter down into a smaller scale device so that, you know, everyone can have access to it and everyone then just becomes part of the corporate network and how that works from, as I said before, a privacy perspective, a control perspective, um, whether there's just a hard off switch, for example, um, so that when you're, or, or whether it's set up so only your work computer is on that configuration and everything else is somewhere else. But there's, there's pros and cons to a lot of that stuff. I guess the main thing is that when you're doing this approach, there's going to need to be an honest assessment. Hopefully, Cavell can help with this assessment, you know, with service providers, um, as to what the new needs are and what, what the new bundles and things like that are you know, it, it does your service provider who was previously offering, you know, mobile SIMs, they were previously offering office network access, start offering a bundle that also includes connectivity for all of your company's employees at home, you know, and gets you a massive discount on, you know, on your home wireless connection, or not wireless, but your home connection for all of your employees. And you just take that on as part of your operating budget, then as a company. And so we're seeing this increased interest in SD-WAN technology. Is this a, a key part of the offering, do you think? Uh, at the moment, no, because, it's, because as, as I said, the price is, is a big deal. Um, you just, like, there are examples where like, high-value call center people, for example, um, being sent home with an SD-WAN box, a VoIP phone, uh, so that they constantly have good call quality. And I have heard like one company who had 500 at home before this crisis, and they just moved up to 1,500 at home with that. But each of those boxes, as I say, is still costing quite a lot of money. So that's not a practical solution. But there is a lot of discussion um, with vendors, and I've been talking to vendors about this for the past few weeks, just in terms of what the minimum like viable product for a home worker would look like, how to price that and how to to make it work. So I think give it a year or two and there may be some sort of SD-WAN box in people's houses. Um, but for now, I don't think you could just turn around and do it. I don't think the market has the, the need for the majority of employees to have them. So I suppose organizations and service providers need to be prepared for these conversations because that if, if everyone's going to be home working more often, yeah. home workers are going to ask these questions, especially if they've got troubles with, quality, uh, connectivity challenges, that kind of thing. Yeah. And the thing is, there's, there's, there's multiple things to look at here. So if you're a service provider, and you're, you're, you're coming up against these questions, or you're wondering, what do I do? Um, the first thing to do is just try and assess, um, you know, what problems your customers are having, and also like what the landscape is, uh, the application landscape is at your customers, right? So if you're a UC provider, and you're talking to a customer who's a SMB, who only really uses UC and email, for example, and maybe one other application, you know, do they really need something like SD-WAN or something to manage? Because SD-WAN is very good at managing applications and prioritizing applications. If they're not using that many, then they probably don't need something like SD-WAN, but they might just need a tailored 
internet bundle that increases their home capacity. They might need a stronger home Wi-Fi to handle their, their multiple people in the family using the connections. Um, whereas if you've got a complicated application portfolio, uh, if you've got a company that has multiple applications that need to talk to each other in real time, um, if you've got companies with complex regulatory needs or security needs, then you need to start looking at technologies like SD-WAN that can you know, apply those regulatory policies, manage application traffic as it talks to each other and the corporate data centers. Um, so really, my advice to service providers is to start looking at not just capacity or, or bandwidth problems, but start looking at application, application needs. Um, and application complexity on the network because that will guide you more as to the sort of solution you need to to deal with the problems because if if the applications are complex throwing more capacity at it won't necessarily be the solution if they're not complex you may just get away with just chucking a bit more a bit more of a of, you know of bandwidth in there and, and and calling it a day you know yeah and all businesses are different aren't they the, the makeup of businesses yeah. Is different if, if all that's going to change that's going to as you say open up all sorts of questions so um in terms of getting in touch with uh cavell and yourself you know to follow up on this uh what's the best way well i'm finbar at cavellgroup.com with two r's um obviously we have info at cavell from the website go on our website you can book time to speak with an analyst uh, if you want to speak to me directly you can just ask and, and we'll set that up uh obviously we have linkedin i have linkedin don't don't worry about contacting me on linkedin uh i use twitter but not really that often but it's been my good begley if someone wants to message me there you can uh i'm very lucky i have a very googleable name so you know <laughs> find me easily enough get in contact however you like and i'll be happy to talk to you about this a bit more great stuff finbar it's been great to see you today and thanks for sharing some great insights with us uh, thanks to everyone for watching and if you've enjoyed today's session please do give us a quick like or a share it's always very, very much appreciated and thanks for watching